0: It is Wednesday, September 21st, live from my apartment and his attic. This is the Ben Jarofsky Show. I am DJ Nate, Dr. D. Today on the show we have legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson and podcaster activist Mark
1: Wallace, and now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Shrofsky here. We're calling this the Sarver Sale Wednesday, and here's why. Breaking news. (laughs) Before I came on the show, breaking news, literally like 10 minutes before I came on the show, Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns, has declared uh, that he will uh, sell the Phoenix Suns, his basketball team. He will sell the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury, the WNBA team. He will sell them uh, because of the pressure he's facing uh in 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 the aftermath of a report by the NBA uh regarding all the times uh he mistreated employees including multiple cases where he used the N word all right you're asking ben why are you so obsessed with this case because it gets at the heart so much about where we are in a country right now in regards to race relations it's like this like ongoing struggle it's just My entire life it's been happening. And it's just ceaseless struggle. This man, Robert Sarver, follow me this ladies and gentlemen, reached the heights of success in the business world. I believe it was the developer. He's in Phoenix, made a fortune worth billions of dollars, use that money to buy the Phoenix Suns basketball team. Join the elite fraternity of owners. I say fraternity because I think there's only one woman owner in the WNBA. I could be wrong, but at least there's maybe one or two. So this very elite group that gets to own an NBA team and make a lot of money, by the way. You make money off of owning an NBA team. And you make even more money if you sell the NBA team. And really all you have to do is remain in the background and not embarrass yourself or embarrass other people. You could just reap a fortune and then hang out with super cool people and be a part of this just like special group. That includes Michael Jeffrey Jordan, by the way, who owns uh, the, the NBA team in Charlotte so you could be part of that elite group. All you got to do, just act like a normal, decent human being. But no, it's not enough to be a normal, decent human being. For Robert Sarver, he has to act like an ass as the owner of the team and dealing with the people who work for him. And so one day, one game, apparently for a few years back, he overheard while sitting at courtside Draymond Green, Star forward for the Golden State Warriors, for you non-basketball fans out there, used the N-word in a game. And afterwards, he was complaining, Sarver, apparently, allegedly, according to the NBA report, uh, to his coach, Watson, that why can't he use that, ner- that word? And he said the word. If Draymond Green gets to use it, I should get to use it. And my question is, why do you want to use it? Like, what's the special thing about that word that you have to say it? Like, what are you, suddenly Lenny Bruce? You want to make a point about freedom of speech? Lenny Bruce died for his beliefs, essentially, ladies and gentlemen. Lenny Bruce, the great comedian from the 60s, his life effectively ended because of his crusade, challenging authority, pushing the limits of what he could say in free speech. Robert Sarver, you have not pledged your life to the fight for freedom of speech. You have not pledged your life to get people to rethink like the confines that they've allowed themselves to be in on all kinds of sacred issues. Lenny Bruce was challenging our thoughts about church, religion, <laughs> does God exist? All these great challenging issues that really upset people. That's what Lenny Bruce was doing when he took on his First Amendment crusade. Robert Server, you're not doing any of that. You made a fortune uh, as a real estate developer who knew enough, I'm sure, to get to where you got, not to offend the people that you were dealing with. Otherwise, you wouldn't got to where you got. And now suddenly you want the right to use the same language that black men use to each other? What, have you not been paying attention to all these years of like racial hostilities to know that's like an off-limit word for you? Suddenly you wanted the right to use it. Your, your coach or Watson told you, don't say this. You can't say this. It doesn't matter that Draymond Green gets to say it. You can't say it. That's just one incident, by the way, of the way he mistreated his employees. The story broke in ESPN. The NBA did an investigation. And they concluded that, yes, indeed, he had mistreated employees. But it was asking too much to take the team away. Too much to take the team away from him. That's just too much punishment for the NBA uh, to uh, take that team from Sarver. So one year suspension, he wouldn't be allowed to be near the team, uh, and a $10 million fine. Everybody points out that $10 million to Robert Sarver, a multi-billionaire, is not what $10 million is to you or me, ladies and gentlemen. It's, not, it's like a slap on the wrist to a man that wealthy. So really, it wasn't that much of a punishment for what he did. The outcry against him was immediate from some of the most powerful players in the NBA. LeBron James. I think everybody out there in my listener land, even if you're not familiar with basketball, knows who LeBron James is. He said it was outrageous. Chris Paul who is another superstar basketball player. Some of you probably do not know Chris Paul. He plays for the Phoenix Suns. He said it was outrageous. Draymond Green went on his podcast yesterday. If you're interested in this subject, folks, I urge you to check out what Draymond Green had to say. He went far beyond saying it was outrageous. He said that the uh, Board of Governors, the other owners, should oust him, should vote to oust him, Sarver, from uh, their elite fraternity and force him to sell his team. And so finally today, just as I was preparing for the show, just as I was preparing to have Monroe Anderson come on, and I have been dutifully cramming my head with the details of all these various lawsuits against Donald Trump. There are three of them. One, two, three, in which there have been breaking developments. (laughs) A man who's far more outrageous than Robert Sarver. I will make that point. Three lawsuits i got to study up for to prepare for this interview with Monroe, this conversation with Monroe news breaks statement from robert sarber monroe has joined us so you get to hear this monroe that he robert sarber has decided that he will sell the phoenix suns and the phoenix mercury and this statement is unbelievable this falls into the category of feeling sorry for yourself this is the statement i will now read the statement i printed it out monroe can see that from robert sarber here we go words that i deeply regret now overshadow nearly two decades of building organizations that brought people together and strengthened the Phoenix area through the unifying power of professionals, men's and women's basketball. As a man of faith, I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. I expected that the commissioner's one year suspension would provide the time for me to focus, make amends and remove my personal controversy from the teams that I love and so many fans that I love. But... In our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear that this is no longer possible, that whatever good I have done or could do is outweighed by things I have said in the past. For those reasons, I'm beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Sons and the Mercuries. All right, let me just point this out, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, he will have to sell the team. He will no longer get to be a member of the elite fraternity to hang out with Michael Jeffrey Jordan, but he's going to get a lot of money for those teams. It's not as... (laughs) Somehow or other, his quote-unquote punishment is going to make him even wealthier than he already is. He'll probably sell those teams for over a billion dollars. Just think about that, ladies. That's his punishment, to become even richer than he already is. But this is the line that got me, Monroe. This one really got me. As a man of faith, I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. But in our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear that it's no longer possible. Our current unforgiving climate? It seems like you're blaming the people who are trying to demand that you actually atone for your sins. You did something really stupid repeatedly over time. People told you not to say it. People told you not to do it. You did it anyway. It blew up in your face because ESPN wrote about it. The NBA did an investigation in it. And now the players in the NBA are demanding that you sell the team and really just get away because you're an embarrassment to them, and you're blaming them because they have not forgiven you. Monroe, that's like, wow. It's like you have a huge fight with a dear friend in which you're a total schmuck and a jerk to them, Monroe, and you say, that's it. Uh, The friend says, that's it. I can't deal with you anymore. And you go, what can I do? I I know I offended you. I know it was horrible to you. But your unforgiveness is just intolerable. Monroe, self-pity from Robert. Sarver in our current unforgiving climate. Do you think a powerful man in this country, Monroe will ever just say, you know what I was wrong and I deserve the punishment I get. Do you think that's possible for them to say Monroe Anderson, take it away?
2: This is white privilege uh, on steroids. That's basically what it is. Um, You know, it's, it's the same. It's what Trump does. Also, is that he 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 does all these offensive things, says all these offensive things, and then expects to be forgiven, for, because he's used to being forgiven, for things because he's rich and white. And so this is, you know, it's um, the difference between say now and and 20 years ago, is that uh, black Americans have enough power where they don't have to grin and bear these insults anymore. And a man of his age is, is, it has, it hasn't caught up with that fact yet.
1: Uh, well, that is absolutely true, and uh, we're probably going to take a deeper dive in that later in the conversation because I have so much Trump lawsuits to cover with you. But I, I cannot allow that point uh, to not be, um, to just lie there. You're absolutely correct. There were three black men in, from, the, uh, from the NBA who spoke out forcefully uh, about Sarver. And that ultimately, I believe, uh, pushed Sarver uh, to uh, declare that he's selling the team. And I'll repeat their names, LeBron James, Chris Paul, and Draymond Green. Uh, And so this is a a topic that we talk about all the time, Monroe. Uh, I guess it's the power of wealthy black celebrities. I don't know if this translates into ordinary uh, black people in America, but definitely wealthy black celebrities have a lot of power. Right. No. If they choose to exercise. Right.
2: And this this is a recent development uh because because um twenty five years ago they dare not say this or they would um end up where the uh, on the uh, on the block heap of non existence
1: professional
2: it was just it would be the end of them
1: yeah you know he the yeah game. yeah, but going Go
2: going back to the about to no longer be a uh, team owner. He, he, he is imbued with Henry Ford's uh, mentality. Hen, Henry Ford had this famous quote when he, he got caught in a scandal. He said, uh, Don't complain, don't explain. And he he, he he just stonewalled it. You can't do that anymore, or you can try. Trump tries it all the time, but it's catching up with Trump too.
1: All right, we'll we'll get we let's get to Trump. Uh, Mark Wallace will be joining us really soon. Uh, there's so much breaking news in the world of Mark Wallace uh, podcast, new podcast for Mark Wallace, uh, new indictment, not for Mark Wallace, uh, but uh, related to a cause that he uh, has been talking about forever, which is speed cameras. Uh, State Senator Emil Jones III was charged, fed bribery allegations, part of red light camera investigation. Uh, and I know uh, that Mark Wallace uh, has a lot to say about uh, Sarver, the Suns, uh, the NFL. There was a big story in the Washington Post about how there's, a black, there's still only three black coaches in the NFL. Uh, but uh, I gotta do the Trump stuff, Monroe. And um, three lawsuits I crammed for this show. I just want you to know, Monroe, I feel like I'm back in seventh grade uh, high school, studying, cramming for a test. Uh, I mean, seventh grade history, cramming for a test. So there are more, like they're more than three.
2: So which three did you pick?
1: Well, OK, so the three that I did today. And Mark Wallace can listen to this because you may want to chime in because I know he's got a lot to say about Donald Trump. Three of them today, Monroe. Three that I did, I prepared for this show. Number one, there was the special master lawsuit, uh, with the case. It's where uh, the, the, the feds seized the documents from Donald Trump's uh, uh, mansion at Mar-a-Lago. And now Donald Trump is in court battling to keep it hidden. And so he got some judge <laughs> that he appointed to... Uh, to uh, declare that he, Trump, had the right to have a special master, which is not, as Monroe's wife said, a slavery term, but is actually uh, a judge who will review the documents to see if there any are uh, fall under lawyer-client uh, privilege, etc., and so forth, or whether uh, some of them uh, sh- should not be released at all because uh, they'll be embarrassing to Trump or his executive privilege that he has, uh, and so forth. So he's involved in that one. Uh, then there is his, his uh, lawsuit. Uh, Attorney General Letitia James filed a suit today against a civil suit against Trump and his family, uh, having to do with uh, allegations that he lied uh, to uh, get uh, inflating his wealth to get loans. But then there's the lawsuit about from uh, E. Jean Carroll regarding his rape. That he, she says he raped her, and she's about to file a suit uh, in court in New York, a civil suit. Uh, seeking damages under a one-time uh, uh, ruling that says that, a new law that says you, you can file suit, a civil suit, uh, even if the statute of limitations is passed, one time. Three lawsuits, Monroe, in the news with Donald Trump. Which one do you want to talk about first?
2: Well, okay, well, you see, well, you're forgetting about Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's more than that. Yeah. And... Um, and, and an investigation is under undergoing right now about how he's been um, grifting uh, America's through his uh, help pay help him pay for his legal fees. Uh, well, it's not being being presented that way. It's it's, it's it's help him fight to uh, to um, get it, win win the election that he was cheated out of. And so you've, you've had all these um, Trump nuts sending money in to him, and he's spent none of it on any court proceedings. They just, it, it's a slush fund, a giant slush fund. But they're looking into that now.
1: All right, so that's two others. That's five. Uh, yeah. All right, so. And there are
2: others that I, we haven't even thought about. or, or that. that um, but, no, he is in a whole heap of trouble. You
1: know, it's like,
2: this is. This is
1: the end. So, Monroe, which one of you think is the, the most serious of the three that I mentioned at the outset? Putting aside Georgia for a moment. Uh, the attorney general's lawsuit that goes after Trump's family having to do with uh, business dealings with Trump.
2: Yeah, that's that's a civil suit, yes. although my, my my money says it will become a criminal suit pretty soon. But right now it's a civil suit. Um, so, so is, um, the, uh, Mar-a-Lago, um, secret doc- doc- documents, a civil suit right now, but that too will become a criminal suit.
1: And, and, uh, for what it's worth, the, uh, the, uh, E. Jean Carroll's, uh, defamation suit and rape suit, those are civil suits as well. Uh, so she alleged rape. But she didn't allege it uh, at the time that it occurred, that it allegedly occurred, uh, and so as a result, there were no criminal proceedings. And the statute of limitation has passed, so there will be no criminal proceedings in that matter. But uh, there's she, when she came forth and and uh, published an article or a book about uh, what ha- what she says happened to her but that Trump raped her. Uh, Trump said it's a lie, and remember this one, a uh, Monroe, that the proof is is that. Uh, he didn't find her attractive. And so he wouldn't rape someone like her, which begs the question, well, would you rape somebody else? I mean, it's just
2: Right. Absurd. Exactly, right. Absurd. Yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be cuter than she is. Yes.
1: And so she filed suit a defamation lawsuit. That lawsuit, uh, is being appealed, uh, on the grounds that, uh, Donald Trump is arguing that because he's, pre- he was president of the United States at the time the lawsuit was filed, he cannot be sued for defamation. Uh, and, uh, one judge had already ruled that, no, he can be sued for defamation because the matter uh, involves uh, a rape and that occurred before he was, or alleged rape that occurred before he was president. So that's on appeal. And now she's following this second lawsuit uh, that uh, will uh, charge him uh, civilly for um, the rape that she alleged that happened. So I have no idea how his lawyer is going to respond to that. So that's two lawsuits out of that one. Uh, Monroe. Uh, so, how do you see that one uh, ending up? You
2: no, know, r- rape is a tricky one to begin with, as we know. So many rapists get away with it, uh, and so I, I'm, 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 I, I don't see that one happening. Uh, I, I don't see a conviction on that. I could be wrong, but I don't see a conviction on that. I, I, I see the New York. Uh, civil suit turning into a criminal suit and I see that as as a conviction um, and I see Mar-a-Lago I mean it's it's self-explanatory he stole the papers he has the papers there uh, all, all these excuses he's been throwing up mm-hmm. at his people have been throwing up to try and defend him or not going to work so that's He's going down on
1: that. Well, I'm going to push back with you on the, uh, uh, Gene Carroll, and then we'll bring Mark Wallace and get his thoughts. Uh, I wouldn't be so quick to dismiss that case. That one, she made an allegation, uh, that he raped her. He said it was a total lie. She says that him calling it a total lie is a defamation of her character. If that case is allowed to come to court, she will present evidence that she claims would substantiate her claims. Evidence that's very similar to the evidence that uh, Kenneth Starr had against Bill Clinton with the blue dress of Monica Lewinsky. That's kind of been suggested. So if that's the case, Monroe Anderson and Mark Wallace, that could be problematic for Donald Trump. Now, it won't be, your point is well taken, Monroe. It won't be a criminal matter. He won't be facing jail time. But it will be a court case. He'll have to testify. He's going to have to testify under oath. Uh, and um, it'd be embarrassing. And she could get some sort of uh, monetary uh, damages uh, from it. So that one. That, yeah, that's-
2: now, see, they, see you, you've made my point, is that if, if you remember uh, with Trump, you, uh, where he ripped off all those people, he had to pay 25 million in penalties, but other than that, it did him no damage. Um, the g- "grab him by the pussy" comment that we heard him make right before he he was a real candidate that had no impact. I I, I don't think that's gonna gonna have much impact on. Him. But my, my thinking on this is that he has so many legal. Challenges now that uh, he's going to die by a thousand cuts. He just has too many, uh, he has too many things, and that's not going to work in his favor. And and all of them are witch hunts, of course.
1: Uh, His quotes, yes.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: Uh, All right. Let's bring Mark Wallace in, and uh, he has his own show, his own podcast. So congratulations on that front. Uh, Mark Wallace, why don't you, before we uh, you d- take the deep dive into Donald Trump's, the three lawsuits that we're talking about and his various legal challenges, just uh, tell folks about your uh, podcast. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, thank uh, Ben, and good to see you, Monroe. Uh, yes, Charles Thomas and I uh, have launched um, uh, or relaunched what was my radio program uh, on another radio station. We have launched our uh, internet radio podcast, The People's Show, on intellectualradio.com on Monday nights from 7 p.m. until 9, so you can join us there, as well as Facebook Live at the uh, uh, at the People Show, and uh, we are talking about all the socio-political issues that impact uh, the African-American community, largely um, here in Chicago and Cook County and the state of Illinois, uh, as well as as national politics, uh, and the goal is is that both of us. Uh, come from a slightly different uh, perspective. I'm more uh, of what I guess people would label as a liberal, and um, uh, Charles is more of an independent, uh, leaning more of to a conservative side, whatever that, that may be. I still don't know what those two things necessarily mean. Um, however, uh, we talk about the issues, and we're going to be talking about everybody that um, uh, that impacts decisions related uh, to the community and uh, everything is on the table and nobody is exempt.
1: All right. And uh, Charles Thomas, of course, uh, a great newsman, uh, ABC news for many years here in Chicago. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward uh, to the podcast. Congratulations on having you. all right. Your thoughts. We laid out Monroe and I laid out the, 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 the fundamentals of the three, these three cases against Trump. That would be enough. Mark Wallace, to bring down 99% of the public officials, the public figures in the United States. He was just any one of them.
0: <laughs> any one of them. Well, you know, I liken Donald Trump to, um, I, I, I lost the, the train of thought of the one um, notorious um, gangster that finally got convicted and died in a few years ago, uh, uh, Gotti. Uh, I I liken him to the likes of that, that this is a person who has uh, gotten away uh, with egregious behavior uh, in the private sector for so many years um, and has never been held uh, accountable until uh, he reached uh, the level of of government, and uh, he thought that he could uh, continue those same behaviors and practice uh, in government and uh, uh, literally tried to turn the United States into a dictatorship, or certainly the presidency into a dictatorship, and, and threw everything against the wall. These civil lawsuits uh, that are being brought against him, I'm not uh, certain about uh, this lawsuit of the, the, the rape case uh, that is being brought uh, against him. I don't know how long ago that uh, allegedly took place, <clears throat> but... Um, uh, there is also a statute of limitation, I believe, uh, even on civil lawsuits. But uh, that aside, uh, the the advantage that a plaintiff has in a civil lawsuit versus a criminal lawsuit is that they only have to tip the scales by one-tenth of one percent. So if, if they get 50, uh, like that 5009 that it's more likely that that happened, they win, uh, in a civil lawsuit. Uh, I think that's the beauty in uh, the case that uh, uh, Tanisha James just uh, announced against went for Donald Trump um, in New York, because she only has to produce a preponderance of the evidence. She doesn't have to give, uh, prove this beyond a reasonable doubt. So I think this makes a strong case for her. Uh, that also makes a, a strong case for the U.S. or for the, uh, the Department of Justice to bring a uh, federal criminal action against Donald Trump.
1: Uh, Mark, I just want to point out that that lawsuit that E. and Carroll filed uh, or says she's going to file in New York has to do with a law that enables um, victims of sexual assault to file suit even if the statute of limitation has run out. So they had a year to file suit uh, even if the statute of limitations had run out and she's going to take advantage of that special law. And so she says, she claimed, that was the story that broke today right before we came in air, that she will file suit before uh, the expiration date so that um, the proceedings can begin a civil proceedings into her allegations that Donald Trump raped her in the mid nineties. So that's why the statute of limitation is not an issue in her case. Uh, I have no idea how that uh, is going to end up obviously. Uh, And I believe that Donald Trump will use uh, every single trick he can think of and his lawyers can think of to try to stretch it out, to try to avoid having to face the consequences of going before a jury to try to avoid having to be deposed under oath uh, I I'm sure he'll they'll cook up a, a bunch of reasons and ho- and hope the judge is favorable to them uh, but that's the reality that she is taking example she's taking advantage of a law that was passed in New York State that um, waives the statute limitation so that's how uh, she could respond. Uh, Monroe. I, I want to go back to you though about something about uh, the uh, the judge, uh, excuse me, the attorney general uh, in New York uh, filing uh, the suit. Everything that that, ju- uh, that attorney general James is saying in regards to Donald Trump are things that his former uh, lawyer Michael Cohen said. Remember Cohen? Uh, we talked about him a lot. He went to federal prison. Uh, because of his escapades with Trump. And he said Donald Trump is uh, inflating the uh, value, his net worth when he goes before bankers to in order to get them to give him the money. And then he says he deflates it when he comes before the uh, tax man, so he has to pay less in taxes. That's what Cohen said, and she followed up. Go ahead.
2: She, she did, and one one of the charges in her suit is that uh, he claimed that the three floors he owns in Trump Tower amounts to uh, 33,000 square feet and is worth $325 million. And he pointed out that there is no residence in New York that's worth $325 million. And coincidentally, it's not thirty-three thousand square feet; it's eleven thousand square feet. So he tripled it, and that's just one example she gave. She went through during her press conference a number of others, where she just showed uh, the discrepancies. And and the and, and the problem Trump has with this one, this is this one serious, because it's paperwork. So while he said she was racist, he accused her of being racist, and um, of course it was a witch hunt. But there is paper that you can just sit down and say, "Look at this," and you tell me what, he, what do you think of it. Is. And of course he he, he was he, he was deposed by her, and I think he took the fifth uh, five hundred times. Yeah, he,
1: he's going to be taking the fifth a lot if uh, in a lot of cases. Uh, If he gets hauled before, uh, definitely in the uh, defamation case, uh, the rape case, uh, he'll be taking the fifth a lot. I'm pretty sure because these are all civil cases where he can take the fifth. Uh, All right. So, Monroe, you pointed out that Trump says it's a witch hunt. Uh, Donald Trump Jr., Immediately, because this, this uh, Letitia James' lawsuit affects Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka Trump, and Eric Trump. The Trump family. It's like Mark Wallace talking about John Gotti. The Gotti family. They went after the entire family. It's like uh, a crime syndicate family. The whole bunch uh, has been uh, named in his suit. Donald Trump Jr. immediately says it's witch hunt. It's political. They're unfair to him. MAGA responds, you saw the rally in Ohio. You saw it as well as I do, uh, Monroe. The, the rally that Donald Trump had in Ohio where he started uh, appealing to QAnon uh, followers. And they began, like in cult-like fashion, they put their hands in the air with the number one and were pledging their allegiance to Donald Trump.
2: And they were playing the Q, QAnon song yes. in the beginning. This is, I, I wouldn't know it if, if, if you turned it on right now, but I was told that, um, and I read that they were playing the Q Nine song as part of it.
1: So, so the issue then is: Are their numbers strong enough to wipe out the Democratic control so that Trump is free to get away with anything that he wants to do? Go ahead.
2: No no, no they are they are the the tip of the spear to a fascist movement that's happening here, but they they don't have large enough numbers now to get them where they want to be, which is. They, they want to take America back. They want to give you, give you your country back to 1853.
1: Mark, your thoughts.
0: Do they have the numbers uh, to win this, this election uh, in the midterm? Um, they, um, they could. They could uh, have the numbers based on the margins, Uh, by which he lost in the presidential election. Uh, Now, uh, they should not have the numbers, because even people who voted for Donald Trump uh, for president, uh, with all of the information that has now been revealed about the conduct of this man, who was the most powerful person in the world, and the most reckless and the most dangerous person in the world that almost blew up our entire democracy or democratic process. They should not have the numbers to reverse what is taking place now. Now, I say that with some caution because I have made emphatic statements before that Donald Trump would never become the president of the United States, and that unfortunately happened. Now I believe that people who are on the um, Republican side or conservative side, or even people who call themselves Trumpian, I think some of those people have abandoned that ship. So while I am cautiously optimistic that that will not happen or should not happen um but do they have could it happen it could very well happen i don't think it's a sure i don't think we have a sure in or a shoe in whatever that saying is that it's not going to happen november the 8th
1: well they're sending out the republican party is sending out mixed signals uh on this matter uh monroe and mark and follow me on this uh, So on one hand, you have Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, uh, flying migrants from Texas to Florida and then on to Martha's Vineyard to embarrass liberal Democrats. That's essentially what he's trying to do, okay, and to uh, make a name for himself and pound his chest. Immediately after he did that, Mark and Monroe, he flew to Green Bay, Wisconsin. Just think about this. He went up to Wisconsin, gave a speech to a bunch of MAGA people up in Wisconsin. They came up standing up, and he mocked. He said, "Those are the luckiest migrants in the world. They were homeless, and now I I send them to a bunch of rich people. They'll give them a home." Okay, so he is just like rubbing it in their face, rubbing it in the face of. uh,
2: He's also running for president.
1: That is correct, and that's my point, Monroe. He thinks one that that'll that's a ticket to help him get elected in Florida to being. The maggiest maga man in the world out magging Trump, okay he thinks that's a ticket to get him reelected and a ticket to get him ha- to have him uh win the republican nomination. he's going to be even more offensive than Donald Trump on the other hand, you have this gentleman running in New Hampshire for senator and his name is don Bold- uh, dad Bolduck, and he ran mark and Monroe, and you notice know uh as a uh, election denier they stole the election the minute he won because Maga supported him and Trump supported him What did he do Mark Wallace? Because he's in a race Against uh, an incumbent Democratic senator Maggie Hassan. He flip-flopped. He said I Suddenly discovered evidence that it wasn't stolen after all So I'm like, what is it Maga? Are you gonna pound your chest? Like Ron DeSantis and brag and promote how you just like, I don't know, pretty much broke the law. Just like uh, got these migrants to get on an airplane on their false promises, fly them to Florida, fly them to Massachusetts, brag about that. Or are you going to back away? See what I'm saying, Mark? It's like a mixed message. I think the further MAGA goes, MAGA politicians go in the MAGA route, in the QAnon route. The harder it is for them to seize control. But they don't see it that way, Mark Wallace and Monroe. They're pretty confident. They think they can go MAGA and still win. Mark, go. Yeah,
0: they they uh, they are of the occult type belief right now. So Donald Trump and his antics and the people who have absorbed him are just they, they they are occult-like believers. So whatever they say or do, they are going with that as being the truth. So there's nothing that they can do wrong to those people in those people's mind. Now, uh, what Ron DeSantis and um, the governor, uh, Greg Abbott of Texas, has done may have implicated themselves into some. Criminal wrongdoing um, in what they have done, so that's going to open up another. Uh, well, there's actually an investigation that a sheriff in Texas has, uh, you know, opened uh, in relations to this. But I think that it's going to be more widespread than that, and I think that Ron DeSantis is running scared, which is why you see him, do, you know, doing more press conference trying to defend his, uh, his actions. So uh, Ron DeSantis and Greg, you know, the MAGA group, they are so reckless uh, that they, they will, they're self-imploding is what I see happening.
2: Yeah, well, we, with, with, with DeSantis and this political stunt he just pulled off with the migrants, there's a sheriff in Texas, in, in Bear County, Texas, that is um, investigating Doing um, um, filing criminal charges against him for kidnapping, basically, and so that's that, that's that, that's that's why he's um be, beginning to look over his shoulder, to look back over his shoulder to see whether they're coming for him or not, and they're to. Well, the it.
0: Department of Justice is also looking at it because they may have violated um, the. You know, we have a uh, an asylum process in this country, and uh, these people from Guatemala and South America and these places came to uh, the border and turned themselves in, as they were required to, based on the United States asylum process. And they were lied to um, and violated by people of the United States. For political, purely political purposes, I think it is—it's uh, an awful thing of what they've done. I think it's an extraordinarily inhumane and mean. Uh, but I also think that it is going to backfire on them uh, and backfire hugely on them.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the—that's uh, where the jury's still out. That's where I'm concerned, uh, Mark and Monroe, and that's why these November elections are so important. Because just think about this. Ron DeSantis is uh, running for governor right now. That's the first election, Monroe. He has uh, on his plate. He's got to get reelected. He's running against Charlie Crist in Florida. Reelection fight. Okay, he is hoping that he will have a monumental victory in November, which will propel him as into frontrunner status going into twenty
0: twenty four. Well, I, I okay? got to tell you. Um, as being a person from the, the, the state of Florida um, and watching the delusional um, behavior of people in the state of Florida, uh, I have, when I went there to visit doing a reunion uh, of my community, which is 99.5% black, it was a 100% black community. There are black people who actually believe that Ron DeSantis was in their corner. Um, so there, there's this delusional belief, and there is a, a very small minority of black people in the state of Florida anyway. There's only about 11 percent uh, black population in the state of Florida. However, uh, the Cuban community down in the state of Florida, they're largely conservatives, largely uh, Republicans. Uh and so I believe that Ron DeSantis is, is probably going to have a monumental win down there because the people down in Florida are just delusional that that he is doing a great job.
1: All right, help me out here, Mark Wallace. You gotta help me with this. You're from Florida. I'm not from Florida. I've been to Florida once in my life. Don't be offended. I got out as soon as I could and said I'm never coming back to Florida, okay? <laughs> uh so the great influx of Cubans from Cuba to this country occurred after a communist tyrant, Fidel Castro, took over. Cubans came to this country in the late 50s, early 60s, and throughout the 60s, uh, Marielitos in 1980. I know you probably lived in Florida when there was that influx. And the United States, for political reasons, obviously in the war against communism, open its arms welcome to our country you are now american citizens what can we do for you the cubans who already lived in the united states threw open their arms too well the united states the united
0: states actually marshaled them in and, and escorted their illegal Mariel uh, boatlifts boat lifts into to the ports of miami uh uh you know, during that, that time. And when the Haitians came in, they turned them around and turned the, their vessels over, killing uh, countless of, of Haitians when, when that happened.
1: All right, so that's a whole different situation, the double standards, how uh, immigrants are treated, depending where they come from. I need help on this, Mark Wallace. Why would a group of people who are the beneficiaries of open-arm tolerance and welcome to our country and we know you're in trouble and we will help, this will always be a port for people who uh, are being, uh, their lives are endangered. Why would they then turn on just 40 years later, what is it, 50, 60 years later, the next generation of refugees who are pouring over the border because what, either political reasons, crime family reasons, the, econ- the economy is terrible, it can't ma- raise, make a living, you know, they're under threat from criminals. I don't understand a mentality that exists in our country where once you get here and you're the beneficiary of all this largesse, you turn right around and slam the door shut. That's what, 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 tr- what triggered this thought was when you said, based on your knowledge of Florida, The Cuban Americans who live in Florida are with DeSantis when he showboats by flying immigrants from Texas to Florida to Martha Vineyard for the sole purpose of embarrassing the Democrats and uh, sort of like promoting the idea of building a wall and keeping people out of our country. Help me understand that, Mark. Well, what happened uh, is that
0: the Cuban community... Progressed at an accelerating rate of taking control of the banking, the educational system in uh, largely Miami uh, and in Florida um, at an accelerated rate, and um, they became elitist of of their nationality, and so for two generations. Um, they have been in control of everything and are in control of it. They control all of the banking. They control all of the government. They control all of the educational uh, systems. So uh, they've become elitist and forgot uh, the path f- uh, for which they came. And uh, it is it is a mystery uh, that, that they have that type of mentality, that they support the likes of Marco Rubio and... And a, um, uh, a Ron uh, DeSantis, it it, is, it really is um, a mystery. But they they, they have made sh- such such um, an accelerated progress uh, in terms of private and political power that um, they believe that you know they they believe the hype of of that conservative push that has been pushing and pushing and pushing that had always existed. Now remember, Florida uh, is one of the most racist states in the union. Um, and so uh, it, it, it's not very different. And so they were able to get the Cubans on their side.
1: Wow, what a statement. I, uh, I just, I gotta tell folks that uh, Ken Burns right now has a documentary uh, on PBS. That's really hard for me to watch. Monroe, you may have watched. But anyway, about the Holocaust and uh, how uh, in, the, in the late 30s and early 40s, the United States uh, was slamming the door on uh, Jewish refugees who were begging to get out of, uh, of Europe. And uh, so it's like my attitude, any Jewish American who sees that and still supports Ron DeSantis, shame on them. Shame on them. Well, you know, it's been. And it's. Wait, been, I'm just finished. And the same thing with Cuban Americans. Shame on you. You were the beneficiary of generosity. You were the beneficiary of this country opening its arms. And you're going to go along with that kind of behavior by Ron DeSantis. Shame on you. Go ahead, Monroe.
2: It's been the American way that whatever ethnic group gets here and finally gets to a, a level of. of um, being you know, no longer being the other, then they turn on the next group. You know, um, the Irish face that at one period. The Italians face that at one period. The Chinese face that. Uh, we have constantly, although we were here uh, for 400 years, uh, but we have continuously had to face that. So it's you know it's it's always that once you've arrived and and arrived in America, then you need somebody to look down upon and, and, and reject.
1: All right, So, Monroe I'm gonna have to you address something that uh, Mark said. Get your thoughts on it because it was uh, I, I took the conversation in a different direction. Uh, but Mark pointed out that he is from Florida, still has friends in Florida, still has family in Florida. Was just back in Florida. Uh, and talking to a lot of his friends, a lot of uh, uh, black Americans saying, yes, I support Ron DeSantis. That's, wow. (laughs) Uh, I could see the logic, uh, but I want to get your thoughts, Monroe, uh, about black support for Ron DeSantis in Florida. Go ahead.
2: I've, I've, I've been to Florida more times than you, but not nearly as much as mark i i grew up there I visited maybe half a dozen times and maybe a few more a couple more times than that uh and florida is a very strange place i i it has no rhyme or reason to it to me i mean you you, you drive around and the streets don't connect there's no in in um in, in Miami the Miami region for example it, it, it just it doesn't connect the people don't connect you uh, as far as I'm concerned um, and as for the black people there um, I think backing Ron there 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 is a a mentality again talking back to how once one group has arrived and they they don't want they want to reject the next one uh, blacks uh, there are a, 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 a significant number of blacks who don't want to accept hispanic migrants out of fear that they're going to take their jobs basically they're going to get our job although most of the jobs they get um, Black people been there, done that. And they're not interested in having it again. So it's, it's it's there's no rhyme or reason to it.
1: Mark, before we leave this, uh, just follow up a bit on why you think uh, your friends and relatives in Florida are supporting Ron DeSantis.
0: Uh, <clears throat> it just it really makes no sense. I think what what they're rep- Why they're supporting Ron DeSantis is because Ron DeSantis did not require for them to wear masks, period. That's why they think that Ron DeSantis is in their corner, right? Even though that black folks are dying and died at a higher rate per capita than any other ethnic group in the state of Florida from COVID. Uh, But you still have people who buy into... Disinformation, uh, as though it is somebody fighting for their "quote-unquote" freedoms. Uh, That's that's all I can attribute that
1: to. All right. So just to be clear, and and this is uh, not a a scientific poll. This is just a a random survey of Mark Wallace conversations with friends and relatives back in uh, Florida. Are most of the people who that you talked to who are supportive of DeSantis, men or there are also women in that? Case?
0: All of them are men.
1: Okay. There you go. And how many Mark Wallace, before I uh, finish my cross examination, do you think will actually vote in November?
0: Well, I think that most of them will vote in November because they're all above the ages of 50. Right. Uh, so I think that most of them are going to cast uh, a vote um, in, in November. And um, unfortunately, uh, they will vote against their own interest to vote for Ron DeSantis because they are buying into uh, that um, MAGA uh, nonsense that somehow, you know, uh, MAGA is protecting their freedoms.
1: Well, Monroe, that's. We're going to leave this conversation at the moment. Moreau, right there, right there is Donald Trump's defense. If he can get, in a way, black men in Florida to vote MAGA uh, and I'll reelect Ron DeSantis, that will help promote the notion that uh, MAGA is above the law.
0: And one, one other thing, Ben, uh, is that and it's not so it's not so much that they're voting for MAGA or voting for Donald Trump. There are some black people that uh, and we're going to I know we're going to talk about this in terms of leveraging power that are misguided in leveraging their power and thinking that my frustrations that I should jump to the other side basically jump out of the frying pan into the fire. And I just had this conversation so that you have some black people who are so fed up and so frustrated with the Democratic Party that they believe that the only answer is to jump to a party that cares less about you uh, and will give you this, the idea that they care about you uh, until they have you over there. It's, it's like the abortion thing. You know, they, they say that they're pro-life, pro-life, pro-life. They just want you to get born. They don't care about how you eat or how you live or whether, you know, uh, you, you have, you know, stability in life. Um, they just, you know, at, at that point, they don't care about you at all. So it's just a tag for them to use people to amass power because they know on their side that their numbers are in the minority. So if they can pick off a few people out of ignorance, that's what they'll do.
1: Well, that's uh, the Del Marie Cobb analysis. Got to give a shout out to Del Marie Monroe. You know, she said this many times uh, that the Republican Party's strategy when it comes to black voters is to, one, just pick off just a handful. Uh, to undercut the Democrats, and also uh, to feed a sense of nihilism that nothing matters anyway. The Democrats are god-awful. So uh, I might as well vote for uh, Ron DeSantis or not vote for all. Now, that's Delmarie's theory. Uh, I think she's absolutely correct. And what Mark is telling me is that it's working, at least among the group of people that he talked well, to. Well, it's Florida. even
0: happened here. And, and one of my... Uh, uh, one of my good friends that I, I have not talked to him about it because he hasn't asked my opinion, but I'm giving my opinion here, who I think that has com- completely committed uh, political suicide and is, uh, is going to lose um, any credibility with the black community, uh, is Bob Fioretti. Bob Fioretti is running as a Republican against Tony Pretwinkle for the Cook County Board presidency. Now I think it, it is the most asinine thing, um, and uh, completely, completely um, horrible decision uh, that he's made, and why I can't make any uh, heads or tail of it, um, and, and Marie and I talk, talked about it, and her opinion is that he's addicted to running. I think it's, I think it's something else. Uh, I mean, he's got zero chance of winning, Um, and he is going to uh, lose—and has lost, in my opinion—he's going to lose some real credibility in the African-American community on a couple of fronts. One, he has run against black women. He did this against Kim Fox, which I told him that it was the horrible thing for him to go do because black people were only going to see him as jumping on the bandwagon. Of these races white men from the Republican side uh, that that just wants to attack a black woman and uh, and they're going to view him the same way well you know he went ahead and did it and got two percent of the vote or whatever the number was Um, but and and here it is that he is running as a Republican against uh, Tony Pretwinkle. now I'm no fan of Tony Pretwinkle, but I'm not going to be stupid Uh, I'll I'll vote for Tony Pretwinkle. I'll hold my nose, um, and I'll vote for Tony Pretwinkle. But my uh, philosophy is that, is not to go jump out uh, out of the frying pan to the fire, is to hold the people of the Democratic Party's feet to the fire. When you don't agree with something that they are doing, you organize, you hold press conferences and you call them out uh as as i clearly do you know i'm a registered democrat i'm embarrassed by what i see some of the democrats oh, a lot of the democrats doing here in uh the state of illinois
1: i'm with you about that by the way 100 i know bob fear ready forever i can't believe he's doing what he's doing uh oh, that was a great riff mark and uh i just am embarrassed for bob actually, to tell you the truth, because I remember when he was more or less an independent alderman who was uh, would occasionally stand up to Mayor Daley. Uh And that brings me to this. We're going to close with this one. Uh, Bob Fioretti just sent out a press release today in his campaign denouncing speed cameras, uh, red light cameras, and I'm just like shaking my head. Uh, I believe he voted for him at one point when he was an alderman in the city council. But whatever, if he's going to raise the issue, let him raise the issue. It's important that the issue gets raised. Uh, it, it occurred on the same day. Uh, that the papers are filled with headlines about state senator Emil Jones the 3rd charged uh in uh, federal bribery allegations part of red light camera investigation this is uh a passion that you've had mark uh pointing out uh the insanity of this program uh and it just seems so the it's unending the amount of corruption that is connected to the red lights be like light camera program uh the uh, the mixed messages that are being sent, uh, the double standards between white areas and black areas. We've discussed this one. You've been on the show several times talking about this. It never ends, Mark Wallace, in the city of Chicago and the county of Cook. And now, headline, I'm reading it again State Senator Evil Jones, the third charge, and Bob Freiretti is trying to make hay out of it, which I'm not quite sure to what to make of. Help us out, Mark Wallace, both with. Jones being charged, and Fioretti,
0: Well, one, Fioretti is going to try to make hit, hit, uh, um, uh, political points out of it because he's running out as a Republican, and other Republicans are going to try to uh, use it as a uh, Republican rallying card. Uh, I am, you know, as I said, I'm a registered Democrat. Uh, I'm not some holy alliance to, de- to the Democratic Party. I just cannot... Uh, see myself supporting anybody that is remotely uh, uh, connected to this uh, climate of Republicans uh, today. Now, Now, I am equally disgusted and outraged that the governor of the state of Illinois and the attorney general of the state of Illinois both have been a deafening silence on this ongoing corruption.
1: All right, very good. I knew uh, that you would uh, come out firing on that one. And uh, as I said, I just want to repeat this. State State Senator Emil Jones, the third charged. These are allegations. They haven't been proven. And I do believe innocent until proven otherwise. Monroe, I'm going to close by asking, offering you the opportunity to address something else uh, that I thought of uh, in relation to our conversation. What portion in your humble opinion, of black men will vote for Ron DeSantis. If you have just had a guess, what percentage will close with that? Because this is a very serious point uh, that Mark raised, uh, and it could really undercut Democratic efforts uh, in Florida, throughout the country. So in your humble opinion, what portion do you think will vote for Ron DeSantis? 10%. Wow. You you agree with that, Mark? 10%?
0: Yeah, I agree with that. That's that's a significant number uh, of of people, uh, and that's really uh, it, it's a great chunk. Uh, so hopefully, but hopefully, that they have also turned off a greater number of Republicans to make up for that ten percent of people uh, that uh, that will vote um, for Republicans in this um, uh, in this midterm elections.
2: No. The, the problem is nobody is going after black men right now among the Democrats. They aren't they aren't making an appeal to black. They're doing black women because black women ha- have been such a force in the Democratic Party. But but no, nobody's had a conversation with black men, and so um, they're paying the price for it.
0: Well, that's true, because even here in Chicago, black men between the ages of 18 and 25... unemployment in that group to their white male counterparts of the same uh, demographics at 7%. And nobody is talking about uh, that group of people or talking to them or proposing any plan uh, to turn that around.
1: That's sobering thoughts. Democratic Party, wake up. I talked about it yesterday with outreach uh, to uh, uh, red parts of the state where Democrats are trying to organize, uh, Mark and Monroe. But this is another problem that Democrats have. And, I mean, this is a topic for a whole show. But largely the Democratic politicians in this uh, city, Mark and Monroe, and you both know this, have uh, been most successful when the black vote has been down. So it works well for them. When when black people don't vote, 35 percent of the city of Chicago uh, voted didn't, uh, voted in the last mayoral election, I think it was. That means 65% did not vote, Mark Monroe, 65%. And the, uh, probably maybe a little higher in black wards. I'd have to look at the numbers. But let's just say it's 65%. So it serves the interest of people in Chicago not to have a high turnout when they're looking to get reelected, Mark. So then you turn around and you go, hey, help us in Florida against Ron DeSantis. And then you're surprised. When you don't find that help. Do you follow what I just said?
0: Yeah. Well, only twenty-two percent of the people turned out in the, uh, in the primary election here uh, in Illinois, and 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 fifty—I'm uh, sorry, sixty-three percent of all ballots cast here in the primary were ages fifty-five and older. Sixty-three percent of all ballots cast, but. We've got a problem with the Democratic Party here that is using government as a hustle for those that are within it, not for the people that they are supposed to be serving. That's the problem.
1: That problem's been around a long time, Mark Wallace. All right, Mark Wallace, Monroe Anderson, I want to thank you very much uh, for coming on the show. I appreciate it. I was going to do this whole thing on the NFL, and we just never got to it, so we'll just do that another time, the National Football League. Uh, the story that was in the Washington Post that there was only um, three black coaches in the NFL and why is that the case fascinating uh, story that's kind of connection to, connected what I began with with Sarver so we'll probably just talk about it some other time. Uh, Mark Monroe, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, I also want to thank uh, DJ Nate for doing an outstanding job of uh, producing uh, Dennis of course opportunity paternity leave. Uh, so DJ Nate, give yourself a raise take it out of petty cash. Thank you.